in the singing of the gospel. That's what we were doing. We were singing the gospel of how great our God is. And I mean, I, I can't help but be in tears every time I rehearse the gospel because I'm, I'm reminded afresh how needy I am for the forgiveness of God and how great and sufficient our Savior is in Christ. I mean, he's sufficient. That's why no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck us from his hand. He saves us by grace through faith in him from start to finish. And he'll see you all the way home. Amen. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I just want to say it's good to be back. We miss you guys. And it's just good to be fellowshipping with the saints of God at Smithfield Baptist Church. And today, we're going to be back in the armor, right? And whenever I preach on spiritual warfare, armor of God, stuff like that, like, it just, things happen. You know what I mean? Like, the Lord is preparing you for the battles ahead. And so, as we're in this series, it's not going to be a shock or shouldn't be a shock that you're, you might be experiencing trials, satanic attacks, and satanic devices going on in your life. So that's what this is for. We're getting a tune-up, right? All through the Bible, we're reminded that we're a people at war with darkness. The people of God are always at war with darkness in the world and with the demonic realm. So we're, we're being reminded afresh today of just how to prepare ourselves for the war in which we're immersed. Amen? So let's pray and ask God's help. Father, we come before you, and we're just, we're reminded we need the word of God. Um, we're, we need to hear from you more than you need to hear from us. And so, Father, we pray that you would speak. And, Lord, we long to hear from you in your word. I pray that you would fill this place with your spirit that you would come upon each and every heart in this room in a special way and tailor a word that we need to hear today. Father, tailor it in a way that we need to hear it most. And we pray, Father, that you would move mountains in our lives if there's mountains um, to traverse. We pray, God, that you would help us to get unstuck from satanic deception and devices if we are clouded and foggy in our thinking. Father, we pray that you would mobilize an army of soldiers in the Lord who are gospel-centered, gospel-minded, and just full of the great news that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save that which is lost. And so I pray, fill me up now, Lord. I pray that you would move on this time and that we would hear a word wrought by the Spirit of God. And Father, we just ask that you would do above and beyond what we can ask, hope, or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. So, one thing I learned quickly um, when I was a young man, about 19 years old, entering boot camp, is that the Marine Corps, and really all military organizations, care a lot about shoes. You have dress shoes for special occasions, for marching, 
You have tennis shoes for getting wore out on the quarterdeck and running around all over the place. And then you've got combat shoes or combat boots to traverse difficult, hard terrain, to climb mountains, to um, have a steel toe embedded in those combat boots um, so that, I mean, that's for attacking purposes, but also to protect um, your toes when you're running around in combat. And so just as all of a soldier's attire and, and all of his equipment and all of his outfit and all of his armor is important, the shoes are some of the most vital things that a soldier needs. And I remember in boot camp learning this the hard way because uh, I was wearing a shoe that, that fit too tightly and, you know, standing, doing drill all day and all of that. Eventually, um, my feet started swelling and I got something called cellulitis. And so I was down for like two days um, and I couldn't even walk because my feet were so swollen and they needed to heal. And it was right before we were about to do this big... Uh, Basically, it's the last thing you do in order to become a Marine is go through this great test of all of your mental faculties, all of your physical agility, all of all of your strength. Everything they've taught you is coming to a point of culmination in this thing that they called the crucible. Right. That comes from crucifixion. Right. So it's going to be rough. And it's three days of just complete, you know, ridiculous. It's like hell week times ten. And you're up, you're exhausted, you're up for like three days, little to no food. You're running around with a full pack of gear all over the hills of Camp Pendleton. And you're carrying around ammo cans filled with sand, right, to kind of simulate what it would be like. And I mean, blisters all over your hands. You're just, you're, you're barely hanging on by a thread. But the most vital thing you needed to do was take care of your feet. Because your feet get a blister and you, you're, you're done. You know, you can't really go on if, if the blister gets to the point. So you're taking care of your feet. And part of that is, is getting the right shoes, the right boots for the job, and, and to be able to have them fitted in a proper way so that you can get to the final test of the crucible. And it's called the Grim Reaper. And it's basically a vertical hill going all the way up. Um... And, you know, it, it just looks daunting. It's named appropriately. And we climbed up. And the very thing that got us there was having the right shoes for the job. And our brother in arms helping us along the way. So without combat boots, right, you can't arrive to the top. And at the top of that Grim Reaper, when the crucible is over, you become a Marine and you're standing in your boots that got you there. And it's the first time that you feel like I'm a soldier now. Well, just as a Marine needs proper footwear, right? Just as a Marine needs to wear the right gear for his feet, so does the Christian. And that's what we come up in. Uh, Ephesians 6, it's the next piece of armor. It's the next piece of the soldier's attire is that we need the shoes of the gospel. We need 
combat boots that have a gospel word all over it, right? We need the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so without the right footwear in the Christian's life, you won't be able to stand against the forces of darkness. That's what Paul reminds us. So we're going to walk into this and see it, and we're going to land on verse 15, but we're going to start just to get the context since it's been a couple of weeks in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. This is the word of God to us. Finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that what that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil got to have the boots on we uh, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and verse 15 as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness Given by the gospel of peace. And then Paul goes on with the rest of the armor. He says that we need to equip ourselves. With the shoes on our feet. That give us a readiness. Given by the gospel of peace. So, Lord permitting, we're going to look at three things today. Gospel shoes, gospel readiness, and gospel peace. Gospel shoes, gospel readiness, and gospel peace. So, number one, gospel shoes. You see it right there, right? In verse 15. And as shoes for your feet having put, in, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So Paul's like, what I want you to know first and foremost is that your, your feet are very important and that if you want to stand effectively against the forces of darkness, you've got to put some gospel shoes on, right? You've got to put shoes on your feet. You've got to equip your feet for the battle. And as one translation put it, you must shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We don't use that word anymore, shod. Just means put on the boots, right? Put on the gospel boots. And that's what Paul is helping us to see. So why, why this emphasis on gospel shoes? What's, what's Paul doing? What's he trying to orient us to do? He wants you to get the gospel before you as a Christian. And he's saying that this these gospel shoes are going to help us to defend against demonic attack, satanic attack, and the enemy's opposition in your life. Because today, the devil is afoot in your life to blind you to the realities of the good 
news of Jesus Christ. And he's working to do that even in the life of a believer. It, it was the Apostle Paul who said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that Satan is the God of this world and he blinds the mind of unbelievers to the glory of God in the gospel. Like, why do people in the world, they just are like, gospel, snooze fest, okay, I don't care about it. But believers are just, they're awakened, they're alive to it. They love the fact that they're forgiven by God. They long for going deeper into the sweetness of the redemption that they have in Jesus Christ. They've been set free from sin, but they're continuing to be set free from sin. They've been delivered from darkness, but they're continuing to be delivered from darkness. They've been made new and transformed by the gospel of grace and the glory of Jesus Christ coming into their life. And now they're being transformed into that image from one degree of glory to another. That's all 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And so when Paul is laying, he's trying to get before us this idea of the importance of the soldier's footwear, it's not an accident that he says you need gospel shoes, Right? It's not a strange thing that the footwear of the Christian would be of absolute and vital importance on the battlefield. But we also need to remember that Paul is not using the imagery of a modern combat boot, right? He's talking about a Roman soldier's boot. And a Roman soldier, a legionnaire, would have kind of, it was like half sandal, half boot. So it would allow some flexibility around the toes, but it would be a strong leather, uh, oil-treated leather, leather that was just, it, it had a lot of give and play to allow the soldier to be comfortable on the battlefield. But then it had a bunch of hobnails driven in through the leather, leather to give kind of a traction on the ground. And so these, these were like soccer cleats except a soldier's soccer cleats. So you can see right away, like Paul's trying to orient us that what's, what's happening when you have something like this on your foot is you've got stability, you've got mobility, you've got agility on the battlefield, right? The, the Christian is standing in something that gives him a stability. One preacher said that one of the, the, the most fretful things in the church today is that we have so many Christians who are unstable. They're unstable. They're tossed to and fro from every wind of doctrine. They're tossed to and fro emotionally. They're tossed to and fro distracted. They're not centered. They're not grounded. They don't have this sense of peace in their life. They don't have this stability. And so Paul is trying to get before us right here, like this is the answer. You've got to don the gospel boots. You've got to take up as shoes for your feet, this very vital piece of the soldier's attire. And we could see, you know, Soldiers would be slipping around all over the place, right? I can remember uh, playing soccer when I was little. 
And I went out in my tennis shoes, and it was kind of like a rainy day, or it had like dew on the field. And I went out there, and I literally slipped all over the place. I chased the ball, whoop, boom. You know, chased the ball, whoop, boom. And, and I was slipping everywhere. Why? Because I didn't have soccer cleats on. I had tennis shoes on. I didn't have the shoe designed for the job. And so I was all over the place. And many of us can be like that, spiritually speaking. We're just all over the place because we don't have, as a foundational reality in our life, we don't have these gospel shoes on. And, and, and notice, that, like Paul is saying here in verse 15, he's saying, as shoes for your feet, having put on. And that, that verb is sort of like a reflexive verb, like you yourself have to put these things on. Right? They're not going to just automatically be like, oh, boom, they're on you. Right? You've got to put them on. God is sovereign over all things. He's sovereign in his purposes in the gospel. He's moving in ways that are supernatural in your life. And yet, you are called to take up these gospel shoes. And so we must remember, just like a soldier who does not want to slip on the battlefield and have an enemy make a quick work of him with a dagger. We do not want to slip around in the Christian life and just be fodder for the evil one. So what does Paul do? Like, does he model this for us anywhere in scripture? Does he help us get at this foundational thing that we need to have gospel shoes on? Well, I think he models it all over scripture, but maybe nowhere more clearly than in his letter to the church at Rome. And he can't even get through the first chapter without reminding us of the, his great eagerness to share the gospel. Now, why is Paul trying to share the gospel with Christians? They're already saved. I mean, we've graduated from that, right? No, like Paul's like, you never get beyond the gospel. And so in Romans chapter 1 and verse 15, he says to the Roman Christians, so... I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Right there up front. What's he doing? What's happening with Paul? But he's like that great general talking to his people in Rome, and he's issuing them gospel footwear. He's like, what's your size? Oh, here you go. Here's some gospel footwear for you. He's preaching the gospel to teach his people and educate them so that they're grounded. They're foundationally solid. They've studied the gospel. They know the gospel. They breathe the gospel. They stand in the gospel. They're strengthened by the gospel. They adore King Jesus because they never get beyond the gospel. And beyond their need for it. Sure, you're going to study all sorts of things in scripture. But Jesus it's said of Jesus alone that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Nobody else but Jesus. So you better believe the importance of taking up these gospel shoes and being prepared as a soldier in the army of the Lord. 
Now, I always give out as a, a pastor, one of the first books I give to people is a book called The Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. And he's just, he's a pastor with a heart like the Apostle Paul. That's why I love him. And this is what he says in his excellent little book, The Gospel Primer. He says, as long as I am inside the gospel, I can experience all the protection I need from the powers of evil that rage against me. It is for this reason that the Bible tells me to take up and put on the, the whole armor of God. And the pieces of the armor it tells me to put on are merely synonyms for the gospel. Translated literally from the Greek, they are the salvation, the justification, the truth, the gospel of peace, the faith, and the word of God. What are all these things but various ways of describing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, Milton was on to something, and he saw that the gospel is forging an identity in believers as they stand against Satan and all of his forces. Satan has his own identity. He has his own identity that's fleshed out in the world and the ways the world operates in an anti-God way. And the world is trying to shape you in various ways with an identity that is not from God. And so God in his word and God in the gospel of Jesus Christ is about giving you an identity that's in Christ, in Christ alone. My hope is found, right? Do we, do we believe that when we sing that? Do we believe that it's in Christ alone? Because if we do then we'll take up the gospel boots. So I ask you this morning, do you have the shoes of the gospel on your feet? And we don't just need the shoes of the gospel, but we need the readiness that's given by the gospel of peace. So that's the second thing we see. Gospel readiness. Gospel readiness. We must be ready to share this glorious news. We might, we, we've got to have a preparedness. Do you see that in the text? Verse 15 again. And as shoes for your feet, notice how it's worded. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, the readiness is a very particular word in Greek. It means readiness or preparedness or to get equipped for battle, right? To, to, to have an equipped reality going on in your life where you're, you're, you're equipped with this thing that makes you ready to share the greatest news in all the world with a world that is needing to hear it. But am I just kind of like spinning that out of thin air? Or does it have some Old Testament anchors here? That Paul, Paul knows his Old Testament. And he knows the book of Isaiah speaks of the gospel of peace. And so one of the primary texts is right smack dab in the middle of the, the, the gospel in the Old Testament. The book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 52.7. We read it earlier. Rick read it for us. But this is a striking parallel to what Paul is talking about. Now, I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to think about this. How beautiful 
upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes or proclaims peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, and who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now that is powerful. Because when you look at it, what are the three things you see? Beautiful feet, right? We got feet in our passage. You've got good news. We got good news in our passage. And you see a gospel that brings peace. And the gospel of peace in our passage. Do you see how that works? Like Paul is drawing from this text in the Old Testament. And so he wants you to know, you want to know what's beautiful in the world? Sometimes we, we look at a beautiful sunset or we look at the Grand Canyon and go, that's beautiful. And, 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 and when you look at something that, that you marvel, right, at a, like, like at, at the splendor and the majesty of some edifice that man has erected that, that has all sorts of spectacular beauty to it. And what Paul and what Isaiah are saying is more beautiful than anything is the feet of those who preach good news. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Now that's a staggering thing that the identity of a Christian And the very mission of a Christian is tied into the deepest beauties that the soul can experience in this world in bringing a message of hope to a people in darkness. And and, and we struggle with this gospel readiness. We struggle with seeing the beauty in in a Christian who has been mobilized by the shoes of the gospel of peace to bring the gospel to a lost world. But what is Isaiah orienting our hearts to right now? He's he's trying to get you to see what beautiful feet we have when we declare the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to imagine this, right? I want you to imagine that a missionary or a group of missionaries go into one of the remotest jungles, right, of Burma or someplace like that, and they trek thousands of miles over mountains and, 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 and through valleys and, and experiencing predators. They, they leave family. They leave friends. They leave all of the security that they've once known in the world to bring a message of hope. And as they don the peaks of the mountains and they're on their way down to this remote village that has no idea what the gospel is or who Jesus is, they're totally lost and on their way to hell. And they're bringing a message of good news into this village. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's rescue that nobody's going to get unless people bring it. And the Bible says that's a beautiful thing. That's beautiful, beautiful feet. To risk all to take the message of Christ to a dying and needing world. And maybe if that's not enough, hear the words of John Piper 
when he talks about what, what the feet must look like of somebody like this. He says, first, preachers of the gospel, bringers of God's good news, are so precious that we see even in their soiled and bloody feet as beautiful. Beautiful feet are not soft, manicured, painted, well-tanned feet. Beautiful feet are like the dirty, worn, wrinkled, leathery, scarred feet from many miles of trekking into remote places with good news that could not be heard any other way. How beautiful is the feet of those who bring good news. That is so encouraging to me because somebody came to me with good news. Somebody came to you with good news if you're a Christian. And did you even realize how beautiful their feet were? Their feet took them to you. God used them. And that's a beautiful thing. Salvation coming into a life. Their eternal address changes from hell to heaven. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Because of the glorious work of the gospel. And somebody had feet to bring the gospel into your life. So here's the thing. Here's what we need to be gripped by. When we come across a text like this, when we think about the gospel shoes, armor, and the Christian's readiness, the bottom line is this. Bringing the good news of Jesus into your spheres of life is a beautiful thing because it's the very means God uses to rescue lost sinners. People are perishing, right? I've a shared a beautiful story of one such person, right? Somebody had to go. Somebody had to send a box. Somebody has to tell them or they perish. And how beautiful it is when you begin to move your feet. And the Bible says that's a happy feet that take the happiness and the good news of the gospel of salvation into the world around them. And today I just want us to think and be caught up and to be captivated in the beauty and the glory of what it is to be a Christian and to be told by the Apostle Paul, by the word of God, with divine authority, get your gospel shoes on. Get ready, get ready, brothers and sisters, to bring the gospel of peace into this world. Are you ready? Are you longing to do it? Is there a desire, right? Perhaps you have tennis shoes on when you should have soccer cleats. Wednesday night is about getting soccer cleats on, partially. And then it's about praying for God's effective work in this world as Christians are praying for the lost and praying for one another so that we can be these people who have beautiful feet, who take the gospel into the world. Consider the words of Peter. He says the same thing, right? 
You probably remember this, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord and as holy, always being prepared. That's the same Greek word. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. And do it with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. That's not a suggestion. It's a command. And it lays hold of me. And it, lay, it should lay hold of us, right? Like, what do I have to do to take up these gospel boots? To get it on. And notice, there's an attitude here. There's an attitude of gentleness and respect. But the first thing Peter does is he says, honor Christ as Lord. And when you do that, you're going to want to go out and share him with the world. And you're going to want to do it with the right attitude. Honor Christ first. And then the overflow of that will be ministry. Will be beautiful feet taking the gospel over the mountains. And into the lives of people you know who need this hope. Think about it. Like, hear, hear me on this. What a beautiful thing it would be, right? If we're ready to move into this world with the gospel of peace. And it's like, it's like all of a sudden you're able to move into the world of someone who may be having a broken marriage, right? You come into the world of a man with a broken marriage who is watching his family crumble. And you bring the gospel of peace and you watch it transform somebody. Or you bring the gospel of peace into the life of somebody who's experiencing such heart-wrenching despair and depression and discouragement because they're hopeless without God. They're alienated without God in this world. Their sin has separated them from their God. And you're telling them the way they can have peace with God. Oh, what a glorious thing it is. You can tell that teenage girl that she doesn't have to give her body away to get love and happiness from a boy or a man. But he can have peace or she can have peace with God that truly satisfies. This is real. This is nitty gritty. This is in our world. And it's the message of hope. And there's no other message that can liberate. There's no other message that can save. And so, dear Christians, I want you to hear me today. It's a beautiful thing when it comes into the life of the people of God. And they begin to get this on their radar. And then they get a Romans 10 worldview. Romans 10, 13 says this. Listen to it. This is Paul. This is not my opinion. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Do you think it's an accident that this keeps appearing again and again and again in the scriptures? Oh, this is the stuff the gospel is made of. And this is what forges 
the identity of the people of God in this world. Right? You ever seen that movie, Happy Feet? The little penguins. And you have the one penguin, right? All of the penguins could sing, and it's a beautiful thing, and the music is great. But this one penguin, he can dance. And he's got happy feet. His feet go, whoo, they do all sorts of crazy stuff. And, and all, all of a sudden, right, this happy feet becomes, starts to kind of take over. And, 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 and by the end of the movie, right, people are celebrating, and there's joy. And I was just thinking about this text because it's like happy feet, right? That's what Paul is saying. You want happy feet? Be a person who shares the gospel of Jesus Christ in a needy world. Because there's no other hope. And there's so much joy to be had when you do. When you step out and you see what the Lord might do. So, gospel shoes, gospel readiness. And we will end with gospel peace. Look at it right there in verse 15, right? As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by what? By the gospel of peace. So what is Paul trying to tell us today? He's trying to tell us that the way to peace in your life, the way to peace is not man's attempt to have inner peace and tranquility through self-help, right? It's not going to come from within. It's going to come from without. The way to peace within is to have peace with God. And that's exactly what the gospel announces to people in this world. There is no rescue for somebody in rebellion against God until they get their heart right with God. There is no peace and there is no happy feet without a heart that's been made right in the sight of God. And all of the dirtiness and all of the defilement and all of the separation that that causes, right? It disorders you. It divides you. It separates you from your God. It separates you from the, the creative intention of God for human flourishing. When you are not right with God, you're at war with God. And you have no peace. And then, Paul says, if you're ready, if you got gospel shoes on, if you're ready to share the gospel, you're sharing the gospel of peace. The gospel that brings men into a right relationship with God. Listen to it in, in Colossians 2.13. Paul says this very thing. And you, he's talking to Christians, who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, Canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them in Christ. What is the net result of that for human beings who give their life to Christ? But peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. And isn't this just what we see all through Scripture, right? Can you remember? We do it every Christmas. We go to Luke chapter 2 and we sing about the announcement the angels made to the shepherds that there's someone who's come who can bring peace in the world. 
And Luke's gospel bears witness to this great announcement when it says, And suddenly with, the angel, with an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. How can somebody be made right with God? How can somebody have peace with God? Well, Luke 2.10 tells us. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all peoples. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's an announcement of peace. And we find in the book of Ephesians that Jesus himself is a preacher who announces this peace. Peace that men can have with God. And peace that men can have with one another. And peace within their soul. Listen to it in Ephesians 2.17. This is Jesus declaring the same message. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off. And peace to those who were near. Jesus came to preach peace to those who are far off. It doesn't matter how far out you are. Jesus came to proclaim peace to you if you will get right with him by faith in his death on a cross and his resurrection out of the grave. Peace comes into your life. And if you're near, he preaches peace to you. Now in the context of Ephesians 2, Paul is speaking of peace that you can have with God in the first 10 verses. Jesus laid down his life on a cross to bring you and I into a relationship of peace with God. But we have to wave the white flag of surrender and put our trust in Christ. And in the second half of chapter 2, he talks about how can you have peace with one another. And the two most hostile groups in the world, Jews and Gentiles, basically Jews and everybody else, Jews did not like the Gentile world. The Gentile masses were unclean and lost. And all of a sudden in the church, you start seeing Gentiles and Jews getting saved by believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, by looking to the Prince of Peace, by looking to the cross, by hearing the announcement of the Prince of Peace and the life-giving gospel. They come, they come and they begin to hear this message and get saved. And now they're transplanted into a church. And all of a sudden you got people who do things so differently. Well, we've always done things this way. Well, now you got Gentiles in your midst. So what are you going to do? And Jesus is like, I'm preaching peace to you who were far off and you who were near that I can make between the two of them one man united in Christ because he is the one who brings peace between one another. Jesus brings peace and unity in the church. Let goods and kindred go this mortal life also. Let all the petty squabbles and all the petty backbiting fall to the ground because the prince of peace has come and he brokers peace in the church like nobody else this is the gospel of peace gospel shoes gospel readiness gospel peace brothers and sisters we need to get equipped with this great news and watch it transform 
the way we fight against the forces of darkness in this world. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we recognize that we need this message. We need this piece of armor. We are to lay hold of it. We're to stand upon it. We're to be ready in it. We're to be equipped to take this good news into the lives of those around us and to experience this gospel of peace on a daily basis. So, Father, help us lay hold of it and enter into it. In Jesus' name, amen.